This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short routes. Boys are back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is reception. Reception. The show. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, I think, is in that same mold. Uh, Also a great player too. Um, 146 targets last year. 106 receptions. 1161 yards. Six touchdowns. Now, a 72.6% catch rate across 16 games, <laughs> you don't get more efficient than this guy, man. He's just always open, and he's always making catches, man. He was incredible in 2021. Yeah, that um, article that I mentioned, the 20 receiver, or the top 15 receivers, I think I had yeah. him on Raw at 11. So he's left off the social media graphic, of course. Uh, and, and I'm getting, you know, where's yeah. I'm on Raw St. Brown? And like... I mean, like we said in the last segment with Jalen Waddle, ranking receivers is really, really, really hard. If you do the exercise and you don't feel like a pang in your gut of guilt that you left somebody, that you slighted somebody, you did the exercise wrong. And Correct. that is how I felt about Amon Ross St. Brown here because you know I love this player. Of and I love this archetype of receivers. But so well, let's talk about the positives before we talk about the, okay. the small nitpicks here. Because, yeah, I mean – the, the great part about him is that we know he's a good zone beater. 80%, 80.4% as a rookie, 81.8% as a second-year player. That was pretty stable. That was my point on, uh, you know, I have was so – I went to bat for Amon Ross St. Brown last year as a guy that was not just, you know – people think he was like falling ass backwards into targets to end his rookie season. Like, no, he was getting a ton of targets. Yeah, the competition wasn't great. Guys were hurt. But it's because he's a good player. He's a great right. zone beater, and that's what you yep. want from this big slot receiver archetype. Um, so, like, yeah, I, I was really in on him last year, not being, you know, like a gimmick, like a, a flash in the pan, like a really quality good player. Yep. But we saw him take a leap in his second season too against man press coverage, where again he's not not like an elite player, but he went from sixty point three percent as a as a rookie to seventy point five percent success rate versus man. And I remember doing the in season charting, James, and and mentioning this to you, being like, he's starting to show signs that in isolation he can beat man coverage, sixty eight point eight percent success rate versus press. Again, not an elite number, but a pretty quality number for somebody that is mostly an inside big slot receiver. Right. I think when you're ranking um, him against other players. It's just like, is he the downfield threat that some of these other guys are? Is he what I said, like with the Dolphins offense, where you have to defend every blade of grass? You know, you look at Amon Ross St. Brown's route tree, and that's not really there. But I mean, it's hard to ding him for that because it's not his role. So I, I don't know. Uh-huh. Would he, in terms of the big slot receiver archetype, in terms of Bud Light Cooper Cup, what I called him coming out into the in the draft, he is totally that guy. I think when you take a look at what he did last year, I'm I'm just so impressed. Um, first of all, he played 22% of his snaps outside as a rookie. Um, they really jammed him inside and, and uh, that's, that's the role that, you know, you want him in, you know, he's absolutely breaking ankles, um, as a slot receiver. So he played about 80% of his snaps as an inside player, his rookie year. 
But then, Matt, what I found to be really interesting, he goes from 22% outside in 2021 to about 40% outside in 2022. Mm -hmm. So they expanded what he does. They they said, hey, listen, we know you can win inside, but now we're going to ask you to win outside at times as well. Can he beat you over the top? Probably not. It's going to have to be, you know, some uh, some kind of, you know, a gimmicky play where, you know, he can get in over the top of you. Right. But for the most part, we know that what he's going to do in the short to intermediate area of the field, he's just going to bust you, man. He's going to bust you big time. Um, but again, going back to his expanded role, more outside snaps. Then what does he do, Matt? Not only does he get more outside snaps, then he starts beating more man press coverage as well, right? So to me, um, that improvement, first of all, going through the historical database, you don't see this kind of improvement, a 10-point improvement in man success rate going year to year. That's rare. That's rare um, in the RP um, database. And then again, a huge improvement uh, uh, against press coverage, going from 52% success rate to 68%, nearly 69% success rate against press. Can you speak on that a little bit? Because just from a historical point of view, just taking a long view at it, you're like, man, that is a huge improvement in those areas. Yeah, it's it's a huge improvement. And, and there are guys um, like Juju Smith-Schuster, right, who has this big second season. It was always a good quality zone beater but he's always been below like 60% against man coverage. So he started out lower than St. Brown, you know, by the way. Uh, And it's crazy too. Like St. Brown really wasn't even a full-time player in the first part of his rookie year at all. He was like barely used. I remember writing in the in-season rookie report that year, like, yeah, he just hasn't really played very often. And they actually used him a lot as like a downfield receiver in his uh, first, weirdly in the first half of his rookie season, or he just was running a lot, like a lot of big post routes and, and nine routes. It's like, well, that's not his game. And then they move him closer to the line of scrimmage and, and it really was successful. And yeah, there's not a lot of guys that take that big jump in terms of man coverage. And that's where it's kind of tough to doubt this guy because he's such a good, like he's obviously such a hard worker. He's such a good right. player. He's such a dif- disciplined craftsman, you know? Yeah. Um, and really, like, I, this is kind of where it's hard. Like, do I – it's just when you're comparing guys across the league, like, who do you want? Do you want a Jalen Waddle or do you want an Amon Ross St. Brown? Like, by the way, I think that's worth a conversation because I think St. Brown's that good of a player. And, like, St. Brown was a fourth-round pick and Waddle was a top-ten pick. And the fact yeah, yeah, that we're yeah. comparing these guys is a, right. is a is a credit to St. Brown. So – but I think – and it's just kind of like, do you want to ding this guy for something he's not really ever asked to do? Like – I'm sitting here saying he doesn't run nine routes and post routes well. Well, he ran post routes on 4.2% of his routes. Nine routes was 3.8%. Corner routes yeah. was 2.7%. I mean, that's like literally nothing. So, yeah, it's <laughs> – it's it's yeah. his ability to beat man coverage is truly like what made him not just a slot-only player too because if you're going to – if you are going to play outside even as a flanker, you've got to be – I would say like – I mean, you, you, and you want to be like a true one, right? Like not a, again, Juju can play like flanker a little bit, but he's not, he's a, he's a two, you know, if you want to be the central figure of a passing game and you're primarily a slot, but you're going to have to play, you're going to play in two receiver sets. Like you're playing outside at least, you know, 40%, like you said. So yeah. you have to beat man coverage. And I think that's like a real credit to his game that he took that step. He's such a great fit with Jared Goff too, right? That's another thing yep. to, that makes him uh 
such an easy player to bet on. All the stuff that he does so well is like Jared Goff's favorite routes to throw. Uh, but yeah, you're right. He didn't. He wasn't asked to run a lot of downfield routes. I would be surprised if that area ever develops. I really would. Uh, you know, yeah. lacking the the top end speed. He's also a smaller receiver. Um, it's just. You know, it just it it wouldn't seem like from a physicality standpoint that would be an area. And to be honest with you, those might be wasted routes um, to be asking Amon Rice St. Brown to do that because he is just such a reliable chain mover. Right. If you know you've got you can just bank eight yards, 10 yards, 12 yards with Amon every single time you throw him the ball, you're doing that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I wonder if it, it would almost be wasted snaps to ask him to to, to run these aggressive routes downfield, you know. Um, just knowing the physicality, but again, maybe doubting him is the wrong way to go. <laughs> maybe doubting this man is the wrong way to go. Um, you and I were both so surprised by how far he slid, uh, in the draft. There was a lot of teams that could have absolutely used a player of this quality and he showed it. I mean, come, Jesus Christ. It, and it's not like he played for, uh, you know, some small school. He played for freaking USC. Like how did people, I don't understand. How <laughs> I, did people miss this? Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. My theory is I think this archetype of receiver is still very new. I think the Rams were on the cutting edge of it with what they were doing with Cooper Cup, you know, in the first few years of his career. And I think, you know, now that we've seen sort of that offense trickle out, you know, trickle around the league, uh, you know, like Alan Lazard has done some of this type of stuff with the Packers, you know, last few years. Obviously, St. Brown here uh, in Detroit. You know, the fact that these like bigger guys are being kind of viewed as slot players. Because, yeah, look, I mean, if I'm on Ross St. Brown went to a team that viewed him for whatever reason as like a X receiver, he's not he's probably not a good player. Right. I always said that about Cooper Cup. And that sounds like sacrilegious. And it's why, by the way, ranking Cooper Cup, like where do you rank Cooper Cup compared to some of these like other top end receivers? Hard to say. Yeah, really Um, hard to say. Because I'm confident that like, and this is again with the St. Brown thing. I think if you asked Garrett Wilson to play in Amon Ross St. Brown's role, he'd be really good at it. But would Amon Ross St. Brown be really good in Garrett Wilson's role? I I don't know about that. So I don't think so. That's where I think teams, but that's not a reason to drop a player to the fourth round. If you have a need for a slot receiver, you should be able to look at this guy and and see his ability as a collegiate player to beat zone coverage, win on like outbreaking routes too that really give the quarterback like not even just the layup throws, but you know it can gain some chunk throws and that's like get, get some chunk plays in there. And his ability to win on out routes and flat routes, Amon Rossi and Brown has translated to the NFL, yep. and I, I think that's really where teams kind of miss the boat just because this archetype of player is still very, very new and evolving, I think. And and I definitely think that other guys that come with this sort of profile will not fall as late into the, into the draft going forward. Let me ask you this, Matt. I've gone into this whole offseason with Detroit 
wondering, okay, they need to get some kind of reliable outside X receiver. And that's going to really help somebody like Amon Ross St. Brown, much like adding Tyreek Hill into that Jalen Waddle mix, you know, makes just life so much easier uh, for Amon Ra, right? He took a leap from his rookie campaign to his sophomore campaign to go from his second year to a, a full-fledged just blow up third year. I thought, okay, they're going to need an X receiver. Now I'm not so sure. He might just get there uh, through his own sheer willpower. Yeah, I don't think it's about him. I think he'll be good no matter what. I think it's about the Lions offense as a whole. Like, I don't think Amon Ross St. Brown needs somebody to stretch the field out. Although, like, who is winning past 20 yards at this point? If we are both in agreement, James, that as good as St. Brown is, He's he's and he, he's not running nine routes, post routes, and corner routes, really. Right. Like, and, right. and he's probably never going to do that. And it's okay, but he's probably never going to do that. Like, I'm not a DJ Chark fan. His reception perception is pretty terrible. I think he's really lost a lot, but he was at least a vertical ball winner. Um, Jamison Williams not going to be there the first six weeks of the season. Is right. your boy Marvin Jones in his second stint with the Lions? Is he your vertical receiver? Is Josh I mean, Reynolds? Golly, Josh Reynolds. Oh like my that's, goodness. I think when, like when the Chiefs play the Lions in Week One, if you're uh, Steve Spagnuolo, who are you like? Yeah, who do we have to respect in terms of their ability to stretch <laughs> the field? Mm, I don't know. It's, is it, it's not Sam. I mean, Sam Laporta, the rookie tight end. No, uh, no, no he's a gag no, guy. No, they drafted no, a, no. a receiving running back in the first round. For God's sakes, like, are they throwing yeah. anything past twenty yards? That's my probably my. Number one hang up, not about Amon Ross St. Brown, like producing, he'll be fine, he'll be great. Right. But the Lions offense as a whole, when people are gung ho about the Lions, you know, they're opening the damn NFL season. Okay. I know. I know. Are they supposed to, like, who's catching balls past 20 yards at this point? I, I don't know. Uh, Marvin Jones, 33 years old. I, no. <laughs> and you know, I love me some Marvin Jones, but come on, man. Like there's, uh, there's just no way, uh, you know, he's lost a lot of juice. Uh, you're asking him to right now be your outside X guy, man. Like that's tough. That's a tough ask. Um, the reason I asked this though, is I go back, you call him, you know, at some point you called him a, a Bud Light Cooper cup. Can he do that? Can he put together a you know, I don't want to say a 2000 yard season, but a Bud Light version of that. Can he look, he had a good season last year. He really did. Right. But he didn't crack 1200 mm -hmm. yards. He had six touchdowns. That's fine. That's good. 16 games, six touchdowns. That's totally fine. But when we're talking about development of player turning into from a good player into a great player, can he become a great player on his own without help on the outside? That's my question to you, Matt. Can this guy crack into yeah. like 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns? That's what it takes from a statistical you know, benchmark to say, yeah, okay, this guy now has arrived. He is a great player. We're talking 1,400 yards, double-digit touchdowns. That's the dude. Amon Ra St. Brown is that dude. Can he be that dude in this offense with no other options on the outside? I'll ask you that I, because I, I'm not sure. I would have told you a week ago before seeing the profile, I would have said, no, cannot do it without a, a reliable outside option on this off offense, or at least uh, the threat of an outside op. They don't have a threat of an outside guy for the first six games. Um, and who knows what Jameson Williams, what, what, what he's going to be. Yeah, as a player. We have no, no idea at this point. Um, and I would have said that for sure. No, not going to happen. Not going to happen. But seeing that individual improvement against man and press, like I said, now I'm not so sure, man. I'm not so sure. 
Yeah, I think he can do it. I think he can do it. It's just from a statistical perspective. Yeah, it just is the offense going to be good enough? I, we think mm-hmm. yes, because Ben Johnson's good. And like Jared Goff, for as much crap as we give, as people give Jared Goff, he's like a perfectly fine, uh, you know, average starting average. quarterback, maybe yep. above average starting quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He's good enough to get, I mean, dude, Cooper Cup was having those seasons, you know, before, um, before, before, even before Matthew Stafford arrived, you know, he was, he was having those years with this very same quarterback. Uh, I mean, was he having, right. He was like he wasn't having the seasons that he was having in in 2021, right? But he right. had 974 yards and 15 games and 12 starts in 2020. Working back from, um, or and then in, in the year before he had 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns, 94 uh, catches. So like, yeah, he can have Cooper Cup having those type of years. Amon Ross St. Brown can definitely have those type of years. It's just from an offensive efficiency perspective, are they going to be good enough for? Amon Ross St. Brown to be on the field enough for him to get 1,500 yards, I do think the other players on offense are going to have to step up.